In the name of Jesus, amen. Why are you here today? Why did you come to this place at this time? Is it because you've always been here? Is it because your parents maybe were at this church raising you up? Is it because maybe you like the music? Maybe you like the teaching and preaching? Maybe you're here even today for relief from the heat. Maybe you're here for the voters meeting today. Maybe you are here because you don't know any other place. If you're here for any one of those things today, stop it. I had a lady in my church in Charlotte one time when I had, I had 17 calls when I was at that church. She finally told me one day, if you leave this place, I will leave as well. To which I told her, then I should leave. Why are you here the world is full of churches, churches everywhere, all street corners, all shapes, sizes, and beliefs. And this is nothing new. The one holy Christian and apostolic church has always struggled with division. Why are there so many de denominations, pastor? It's because the church has been planted in the midst of a sinful world. Various peoples, movements, ideas, philosophies, trying to take charge, starting a new movement church being done in their own way. Why can't we be like that place? Why can't we do what that place is doing? They're more trendy. They're more up with the times. They're more up on the social issues. They have a better political view. Our own Lutheran church is born out of division and disagreement all over the Word of God and the role of the church. I know today is not on your church calendars or, or not your secular calendars, but today we actually commemorate and observe the presentation of the Augsburg Confession. Great doctrine written up by old, stodgy European white men. But today is actually the birth of the Lutheran church, June 25th, 1530, not October 31st, 1517. Luther and others were told to report to the Holy Roman Empire about what they were doing, what they were teaching, what they believed. So they put together 28 different articles. It talked about everything from who God is, what is sin, how one is saved, the sacraments, even the ministry of the church. I'm not going to get into great detail about it. Next month, we're actually doing a lengthy study on that confession in comparison to nominations. Today, though, is a day to be reminded of why this place exists. It's not because of programs. It's not because of history. It's not because of finances, boards, and committees, and everything else that we try to gather up in our secular ideas. There are holy, 
divine, spiritual things planted in your midst today. And Isaiah paints a lovely and beautiful picture of how the church should and does operate in light of the word of God. For as the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth, It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed for the thing which I sent it. Isaiah here today is saying you aren't in charge. Your ideas, your thoughts about what this place should be are nothing compared to what God is doing here today. But Isaiah is not just simply talking about Bibles falling from heaven and returning to God. Prior to that passage today, Isaiah states, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways. My ways declares the Lord For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Isaiah begins very simply today with a call to repentance. Confess your sins. Confess that you've made it all about me, myself, and I. Confess that you have watered down things in this place with all of the other things that can happen, and myself as well. Let the wicked forsake his ways and the unrighteous man his thoughts. The Augsburg Confession says it this way, Since the fall of Adam, all who are naturally born are born with sin, that is, without the fear of God and without the trust of God, and with the constant and ever-living inclination to sin. Isaiah, though, says in an overly abused needlepoint passage, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts your thoughts. I know God is omniscient, God is omnipresent, we are not like God. But God says as well, very simply, my thoughts and ways are not about sin and self-destruction. Left to yourself, we desire nothing more than to be focused on ourselves, our plans, our agenda, our little world. And we certainly do not have the mind of God. And I would dare say that our ways and our thoughts are not geared toward our neighbor having abundant mercy and willing to pardon. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. That means that God must deliver us by his word. But this isn't just simply throwing out the word of God and hoping it sticks. I hope it sticks to somebody and they can go on in life. This is about being trained up and constantly given and delivered the word of God. His thoughts and his ways are actually focused on flesh and blood, but the flesh of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, 
The Word of God being made flesh, given up for the light of the world. The same Word of God says this in John chapter 1. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That Word goes out today, as Hebrews says, the Word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of your thoughts and your intents of your heart. And me as well. This is more than rain and snow, which would be nice today. This is Jesus coming to you as the Word made flesh, to give his precious body and blood for the sins and the life of the whole world. But even then, as we heard St. Paul say today, this word must be preached. If you are prone to do devotions, I pray you are, if you're prone to read and study the word of God and even to meditate on it, When we talk about the Word of God and meditating on it, it is not reading this passage and closing our eyes and doing some sort of self-introspection and reflection. The Word of God is meant to be heard in your hearing. The Word of God is meant to be read out loud. If you are doing your devotions, read them out loud. That is really what it means to be meditating on the Word of God. We are meditating on the Word of God today by hearing what Jesus has to say to us, by continuing on what the church has always been given to do. We preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews, and folly to the Gentiles. Well, that seems kind of outdated. We heard this last week. Why can't we get something better, something more relevant to the struggles that we have in life? But know this, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of all of your sins. So why are you here today? Hopefully it's because of Christ and Him calling us to repentance but also calling and surrounding us with his gracious mercy and his abundant love pardoning you today. And the church continues on for others as well. You should pray that the doors of this place be open. You and I should pray that we do not get all muddled up in the things of this world and comparing ourselves to others. Because in the end, the church is all about the word and the sacraments. When I was in South Sudan teaching at the seminary there, I went out into the woods with the bishop of the Lutheran Church out to his farm, but as we, we stopped on the way out on the dirt road in this thick forest, and he took us out into the woods to show us the church. As he went out to this church, there was no building. There were just a bunch of logs made up to be like pews. There was an altar. There was a crucifix. There was a pulpit. And in the midst of all of the woods, the bishop looked at me and said, Welcome to the Grand Cathedral of the Lutheran Church of Sudan. Yeah, but those 
pews look uncomfortable. You think it's humid here? <laughs> Try it. We look at these things on the surface and we say, why can't we have it better? Why can't we have our way? But in those places, I can't tell you how many times one Sunday I baptized 32 kids and there were people telling me over and over, please come and preach and teach and administer the sacraments. We do not have pastors. And I will be very honest with you, I didn't want to leave. I really didn't want to leave. I had actually pondered moving my family over there for a brief time. But I didn't want to leave because there was this desire and this thirst for the holy things of God. No building, no air condition, no padded pews, no organ, no choirs, nothing but the word of God and his sacraments. And the church was flourishing. How then can they call on the one that they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without somebody preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. The Augsburg Confession says of the church this way, Our people are taught that they should highly prize absolution, the forgiveness of sins, as being God's voice and pronounced by his command. The power of the keys is set forth in its beauty. We are reminded of what great consolation it brings to anxious and sinful consciences. What does that mean? You should be here today because Jesus forgives. Forgives you all of your sins forgives all of my selfishness, my agenda, my ways, and the same with you. Forgives us at looking at the church as some sort of political entity. Forgives us as looking at the church as some sort of social justice place. Forgives us at looking at the church for whatever you want to insert as to while you are here. Jesus gives us a lovely picture today. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, I in him, will have everlasting life. That abide, by the way, is not a reference to you and what you have to do. That word there, abide, means he will make his home with you. This is the house of God. You are the body of Christ. Today, you're not sitting here saying, I want to abide, I want to abide. You are in the presence of Jesus who says, have a seat. Have a seat and let me feed you, wash you, and forgive you. By the way, Luther says this very well. God will not deal with us in any sort of way except through his word and sacrament. The church is the congregation of saints, not a building, not a plan, not a pastor, not music not anything else. It is a congregation of saints in which the gospel is rightly taught and the sacraments are rightly administered. Why? Because that's what Jesus has given to the church. On the cross of Jesus, his side was pierced. And you know what flows out of his side. Water and blood. 
That is not just the pericardial sac, whatever some physician might say. That is the holy and divine means of God being poured out for you. Jesus is the rain of the heavens who waters the earth with the life-giving waters of baptism by which you were called by name. Jesus' blood poured out for you is the blood that covers through the snow, even covering the scarlet of our sins. He is the one today raining down your heavenly manna in this place giving his flesh and blood to eat and to drink in the Eucharist. And in all of this, be comforted today that his word does not return to him void. What does that mean? It means that Christ, who is the sure foundation, Christ Jesus, who is the head cornerstone of the church, Christ Jesus looks upon you with his sacrificial love and his mercy, not to simply say, there you go, have a good life, I hope it all works out, but with the promise that he returns to the Father with you, his bride, which is the church, cleansed, spotless, fruitful, and alive. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. That's why we're here. And whether you not you like it, whether or not you're not comfortable with it, he will have his way with the church. He opens churches, and guess what? He also closes churches. He is the one who promises to continuously rain down his life-giving water through his word for the life of the whole world, whether it's here or even in the back jungles of South Sudan. And in all of that, we are united in a living faith with all Christians of all time and places, even here and now today, as we partake of this wondrous meal through the communion of the saints. So pray for the church. Pray for this place. That in many ways we would be kept firmly rooted on the basics. The word of God preached and taught the sacraments administered, but even more so pray that the Lord of the harvest would keep this place open. Never take it for granted. Never, ever take it for granted. He established this place 80-whatever years ago, and there's no guarantee that we'll see tomorrow. But in all things, his word does not return to him void. And in all things, his word will continue to go out in and through this place, in and through you, so that the light that has come to abolish the darkness would continue to shine on those who have not yet heard. To Christ alone be the glory forever and ever. Amen.